0: So in general would you say that you're quick to apologize and admit you're wrong
1: Yeah I mean I would if, I mean I, if, I would I would
0: if I were wrong
1: if I were <laughs> <laughs> but like i I feel like for the most part I can, I can be pretty stubborn sometimes like yeah. I could be pretty stubborn and just kind of say like no i'm right and then i'll like google something and then oh shoot i'm not gonna seriously let them know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: oh that's funny no but, but you're pretty convinced like you'll do something you'll be pretty convinced that you're right and then you'll google it and find that you were wrong but you- then you won't relent
1: no or you'll oh you'll, 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 you'll just
0: pretend like that never happened
1: i'll just pretend and then if somebody was like so did you find i'll be like oh, yeah yeah i was wrong like you know <laughs> <laughs> but i don't that's,
0: yeah, that's the that's thing. I remember this one time, the best example I have, and the reason we're talking about this is because in Matthew 12, Jesus encounters these Pharisees, and they are convinced they're right. I mean, they are convinced, and that Jesus is dead wrong, to the point where they're like, you're actually the opposite of right, you're of Satan, right? And Jesus does everything he can to convince them, and they can't be convinced. And it's just a really, that's a really dark place to be, that like nobody can tell you that you're wrong. Like nobody, like not even Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, the best example I have of that was one time I was with my, my, uh, mother-in-law. She's like, they, they had this place in Tahoe. It's beautiful. And their backyard, like literally goes out on this national forest. And she's like, let's go for a hike. And I'm like, everyone else is like tired or something. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So we're hiking. And they have a trail. And I'm like, this is great. This is a trail. It's like a two-mile loop trail. It was great. There's some elevation. It was like moderately hard. I was like, this is great. And then she's like, well, let's go off the trail and go to the top of this mountain. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't like going off trails. Like, I like to know where I am. And she's like, I have a GPS. And I just hiked it. And she showed me her GPS. And it was like this 3D thing. And it like had paths. It was like really advanced. It was like expensive. I'm like, well, if you've got a GPS... So she starts hiking, and we get there, and we go to the top of this, and it's hard. It's through underbrush, and I'm like, "Why are we doing this again?" There's probably better ways to do this. So we get to the top, and it's it's beautiful views, and we kind of walk around, and she's like, "All right, we're going to go back," and we start walking, and I'm like, "Huh? I, is this the way we came?" Because it's hard, you know, because you're trying to avoid some boulders and some brush. So she sta- takes starts leading, and pretty soon I'm like, I- "I'm I'm pretty sure this." this isn't right. Like this feels very opposite direction. She's like looking at the GPS. She's like, this is the right way. I'm looking at it right here. I'm looking at it right here. It's just over this. And, and so we're walking. So we hike for another probably half an hour. I'm like, Sherry, I'm pretty sure this isn't right. Like, are, are you sure? I'm like looking at her thing. And then she's like, Oh, and she had it literally upside Uh-oh. down. Ah. <laughs> uh. So, literally, up was down and north was south. Oh, man. So, anyway, so we were like literally on the wrong side of the mountain. And I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm like, I'm not great with directions, but I'm pretty sure Lake Tahoe's that way.
1: <laughs> I am really bad at directions. And that actually reminded me of a story. Yes. That it was an exact kind of thing. We went on a hike with my family. My family doesn't hike very much. So, I thought, okay, you know what? Let's just do like an easy trail.
0: Where so were you? Were you here in the we're bay? In Santa Cruz. Oh, okay, cool.
1: And so it it was supposed to be a quick, like, I don't know, five, five, four to five mile hike. But I'd never done it before. But I had that app, AllTrails. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, so it's a great app. Yeah. It's a great app.
1: So I thought, well, I've done hikes before that were pretty strenuous and like I've been able to get through whatever. So this should be like a pretty simple hike. So we get to the top and I'm like, well, the, the map is showing that you got to keep going. But it was literally like the cliff of the mountain <laughs> and we saw people playing like hor- what's it like horseshoe and like down the bottom like there's a school and I'm like how did they get down there you know like so we're like there must be a trail you got to keep going so I thought okay everyone's relying on me I'm I'm leading my family and you know so we're going and I'm just like we're gonna keep going and we're like scaling down a mountain <laughs> to try to get down because i don't know how to get back and i'm like don't worry we got this so we get down and then my mom and my dad and my sisters and everybody looks at me and it's like okay so like where's our car and i like google it because we finally have reception and our cars are like way back on the other side of the mountain so <laughs> what I happened ca- what was going i call on? an uber <laughs>
0: So what happened? It was like literally the wrong uh, the wrong directions, or you read the it map wrong. It was an
1: out and back trail, and I thought oh, it was a loop. Loop. And I I oh. swore that it was a loop trail. That's what not it said, but I didn't read it, oh. and so it was a out and back. So so I've done that trail now many times, and I learned from that li- from that you know.
0: So you had experience. to call an Uber to get your family back to your car.
1: So I had to go with James, with my husband, and then we took an Uber with James and my dad. We went to get our car so that we could come back
0: and get everybody.
1: But thankfully it was uber friendly. Sure. Like where that, we were? Cause it would have been,
0: I thought you were like, and then we dropped in and it turned out it was a maximum security prison. <laughs> <laughs> and no, there we, we are. And then
1: like <laughs> appeared in some like track of a track and field of a school. Oh, that's, and then, yeah, it, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it was, it, but I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm- so
0: how did your ha- family handle that? Were they like, did they blame you? Was it funny? Or did you have to like eat some crow and admit you were wrong?
1: Uh, a little bit of all of it. So (laughs) a little bit was like, they were like, I thought you knew what we were doing or whatever. And then I was like, I did, you know? And I said, no, I didn't. I I hadn't done this trail before. And then we (laughs) laughed about it and then we all went to have lunch and it was funny, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and that, and that's why we're talking about this. Uh, we're talking about how, how to know, like if let's pretend for a second that you and I are wrong about something, let's say that you're, there's something that you believe or something that you're doing that's wrong. And God wanted to get your attention. Like, could he, do you have the the mechanisms in place to listen Mm. so that if he, if, if you were off in some way, Let's just pretend like that. There's something. Is are the mechanisms there for you to listen? And what are those mechanisms? We're going to talk about that. Steve Clifford's here. But thanks, Liz Montgomery, our South Hills Children's <laughs> director, for sharing your story about the Out and Back Trail that you thought was a loop, and remind me never to go hiking with you. <laughs> or no, don't go hiking with me. I mean, I'll go the wrong side of the mountain, and you'll. And so we're we're both we're both messed up. Okay, so let's dive right in. Steve Clifford's here, and we're going to dive right in. All right, hey, everybody, welcome to the afterword here with Steve Clifford. Steve, hello, how's your summer going? Good, it's I'm recovering it's been, from my knee surgery.
2: It's good, I'm really thankful for how that's going. And you gotten back out on the course, yes, back out on the course a little bit.
0: Did you play all 18 um, or just do nine? Or no, just, I can, I can, so you're, you're back to 100 basically.
2: Pretty close. Wow, that's great. Pretty close. Still a little bit of pain, but I think that's eventually going to go away, and I'm going to be thankful for the
0: knee replacement surgery. That's great. Well, it has been. It's been a kind of a temperate summer so far. It has not been hot. It, in fact, it's been almost cold. It's, it's weird, right? I'm sick of it. <laughs> oh, that's right. You like the heat. I like the heat, and Dan likes the heat too. Yeah, buddy. All right, all right. So we are in a section of Matthew, and you know, for my money, I think that this. Matthew 12 is actually one of the more difficult and uh, uncomfortable passages of the discourse so far. <laughs> Next week, or in a couple of weeks, we're going to be getting into the parables, which are nice stories that are convicting, but really exhortationally, and they, they feel good. Before that, we had a whole bunch of miracles. But in this passage, Jesus um, has encountered these Pharisees. And I wanted to read this because I, I, I've been thinking about this all week. Uh, he, heals, and you talked about this last week that he heals a guy with a shriveled hand in the synagogue, he heals them and they get mad, which is weird because he just healed a guy. They get mad. And then he kind of rebukes them mm-hmm. for the way that they're behaving and the way that they're viewing this man. It's good to do good on the Sabbath. Yeah. And then it says this, and I just think that this line is Bananas uh stretch out your hand he stretched it out it's completely restored just as sound as the other but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus this is like insane this is like murderous rage that has been activated in him because Jesus has healed a guy on the Sabbath yeah and I've just been reflecting on that all all week that's just like an uncommon murderous rage like wh- what what is it that invokes murderous rage in humans it's almost it, it you know what i'm saying that's that's the kind of question I'm, i've been asking
2: well especially if somebody does something good you know and and arguably this is this is a kind act he's someone who has suffered for years possibly since birth and uh jesus heals him where it's just the hand is just as good as his healthy one and their reaction is so it's not, I don't think it's about the healing at all. It's about Jesus. It's directed to him. They, they have been confronted um, with his authenticating work that affirms that he is who he says he is. And their only reaction is that they got to get rid of him. It's, it's something like it a little bit. In uh, the Gospel of John, we have the raising of Lazarus from
0: the same, dead. The same thing
2: happens, and and they want to kill and, him. And yeah, it says, yeah, you right would after. think that everybody sees it, man. That that would be a that would certainly be grounds for everybody to to believe that the one. I mean, the shriveled hand is pretty big deal, but a guy who's been dead for three days <laughs> that's even that's, a a bigger, deal. that's a bigger that's a bigger deal. A bigger deal, man. Yeah. I mean, he comes out all wrapped up and mummy like, and he's you know, um, and he can barely walk and. And then they say, they immediately go and they tattle, you know, to the Pharisees. You're not going to believe what happened. And and it's, you see that over and over again in the gospels that when confronted with it, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's very few maybes. It's always yes or no. Are you talking about responses to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's yes or no. And if it's no, it's a hard, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: Unfortunately, like a, it's like a timeshare. Uh, it's a hard, no. Yeah. Hey, i the thing that made me, remi- it reminded me of is something you've talked about. Um, and you have, I don't think you've ever preached on it, but you talk about it all the time in like private uh, conversations with people. You say it's something, like, and forgive me, I should have written this down, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of a Steve aphorism. It's, it's the people don't give up power or position Without a fight, unless the Holy Spirit's involved, it's something like that. Is yeah. it power, position, and, and prestige? Prestige, yeah. If you without could, a fight, well, it, unless the Holy Spirit's involved in it, we don't like change. And
2: a lot of the reasons we don't like to change um, or have things changed is because we're losing power, prestige, or um, you know, position. Some kind of a position. then when when that happens, um, we're hurt. We feel like we've lost something,
0: and so it. Our ability to move in the world, our place in the world, yeah. our identity. Yeah. So power is what, how much you can do, and then prestige is how people view you, and position is like a kind of leadership where or you in, where, where you are
2: in the structure of things as the world sees it. It, it
0: really does feel like Jesus is absolutely um, coming up against power uh, that in the Pharisees, right? Yeah, I think you you know you
2: you said earlier that um, we've been in chapter twelve now for a bit. We got one more week in it, I think, right? Yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah, um, and we've been in it a bit, and it's been uncomfortable. And it's because it's kind of like watching people argue. Yeah, you know, there is a there is a struggle uh, between the truth and lies, between good and evil. There, there, and we're watching it firsthand. I mean, or third hand now. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching this unfold, and we cease we just see how calm Jesus is and how correct he is.
0: Right. Well, and also in this passage, so in this passage, we're in the second part in the middle of Matthew where last week they basically attacked his kind of character. They said, you know, Hey, this guy heals on the Sabbath. He's, he's a, he's, he's actually lawless. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and then this one, it's a, it's a smear campaign. They're like, he's at, they can no longer deny that he's doing miracles, so I mean he's doing all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. So because they can't deny that, they say, "Well, the power has to be come from Satan," right? And so it's a giant smear campaign.
2: Yeah. So you, the first movement is 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 really about power and authority, and you know, there's really only two choices: the the power either comes from God or it comes from uh, an evil source. Whether you use Beelzebub, we would just say it's Satan. simpler just yeah, to say Satan. Satan, yeah, and even Jesus Demonic later, or in, the, later yeah. in the passage would use Satan, and so the first movement is that, and basically, Jesus Jesus crushes that argument. I mean, he just crushed that argument. We spoke about this, but in in the message where, and uh, we were in the preaching where we said, you know, kingdoms divided against themselves don't have any chance of, of standing, and how can you call me? How can you call me? Uh, make those accusations against me. I'm simply doing what you you do. The hypocrisy of it, the double standard of it is is crazy. and by the way he makes he goes back to what he said earlier something greater than the temples here something stronger than Satan is here and th- this whole this whole argument about um, whose authority it's doing uh, is are these things being done he just kind of blows away their whole assignment that it's Satan.
0: yeah, yeah um, he
2: does. The second part of the passage, which makes it, which I think is more difficult for us, is is the unforgivable sin and just the confusion around this passage. We tend, you know, it. We we won't be confused if we'll just read what it says and base base our conclusions on that. But we get worried. We get worried that.
0: Yeah. So Jesus says, "Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man." Actually, let's go back a verse. He says. So we're going we're gonna to camp out here, and then I have a, another question for you. Okay. Uh, he says, I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. That's the text. And so people get nervous because they're thinking, if there is something I can do yeah. that cannot be forgiven, And that means that I'm like cast out, like I'm going to be, I will not be forgiven by God. That's a big deal. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. Right. So what is it exactly? And people get worked up. Yeah. About what that might mean or how that is, so we we did some work on this. But is there a uh, kind of a simple way to? Yeah, I, I don't think,
2: I don't think it? it's helpful. If if you want more information about it, just go back and listen to the sermon yeah. that we've already done because we spent some time on this. But basically, if you're worried that you might have committed this sin, you haven't. <laughs> right. That's pretty. Simple. I mean, it, it's the simple, simple. If you're concerned that you're somehow going to be left out, you won't be. Yeah. Um. Because this is a sin that would have no movement towards repentance. This would have no movement towards confession, no movement towards the worry about being in or out. This is a sin of, of unbelief.
0: And because what they're doing is they're ascribing to Jesus the whole, uh, no, sorry. They are ascribing the work of God through the Holy spirit. Jesus says, say whatever you want against me. Like he even says that it's, it's this work of the Holy spirit. They're saying that that's actually demonic. It's a little like they're saying what's up is down and down is up. It, It reminds me a little bit of, uh, what's the passage in Isaiah? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I should know this off the top of my head. Uh, Isaiah five, woe to those who call evil, good and good, evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And then uh, Genesis three, did God really say, I mean, it's very, and he even goes back to that. He says, you guys are broods of vipers, you're baby snakes. Your, your, your father is like Satan. Basically he's saying your root is back in the garden because what they're saying is up is down and down is up. And they're ascribing that and they're utterly convinced of their position. Yeah. So yeah, the, the passage affirms you can't do anything
2: that can't, that that can't, everything, anything that you do can be forgiven. It's just whether it will be or not. And it will be forgiven if there's a confession of faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if without faith, you won't be forgiven. And so he's simply saying what the, what the New Testament affirms, um, over and over again in uh, the rest of the New Testament. But, but this sounds like, oh my gosh, I don't
0: want to be left out. But if you're worried about being left out, you can you you won't commit it. Leon Morris we we both quoted this Leon Morris from his uh, commentary in the gospel according to Matthew says it's not that god refuses to forgive it's that the person who sees good as evil and evil as good is quite unable to repent yeah. and thus come humbly to god for the forgiveness and there's no way to forgiveness, other than by the path of repentance and faith, so he's saying it's not that God. It's just that these are people that are so, and this is hard to do, but you've, we've met them—people who are so convinced that they're right that nothing can tell them they're wrong—and that's a re, and even God. <laughs> yeah, we've met them because we look
2: at them in the mirror every morning. We we've been that way too. Yeah. I mean, all of us have been so convinced that what we're thinking is correct and we're, we're, we're not.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess I, uh, there, there is a pastoral edge to this, which is, it's, it's interesting. And I, I guess I'd like to ask you this question. Uh, there are people who just, well, let me put it another way. If let's pretend that you're wrong about something. Okay. Let's just pretend that there's something you're wrong about. How would you know? Like what, what are the mechanisms in your life that would let you know who do you listen to that, who has access to be able to say to you, I don't know if that's right, you know? And I think that there's sometimes we're so insulated from criticism or from introspection or from even the spirit that there's not, we're not spending time. There's not the voice of God or the spirit of God in community. We're not, we're just not listening. Yeah. Um, And that's a super dangerous, you should have um, avenues of
2: counsel mm -hmm. into your life um, that you're listening to, people that you love and trust, um, people that have have ex- have exhibited a knowledge about some things that, like I, I have different counsel for different areas of my life. I talk to a particular friend, um, Lawson, who is a good friend of mine who who is very very smart about real estate and has has been really helpful for Dane and I. I. If I have something like that going on, I call him and say, "Hey, can when can you come over?" Dane and I like to sit down and and talk through some things. And so, and then I realized I was wrong about something. So if you, if you're in a situation where you don't have any resources speaking into where you can know you're wrong, you're screwed. You're absolutely left to the folly of your own brain. And all of us know we can be creatures of folly. I mean,
0: well, it reminds me of a word that we use often like groupthink or echo chambers. You've seen that too. It's like, and that's true because we do tend to hang out with people. So, for example, if everyone around me is wrong, it's going to be kind of hard for me to get out of that, right?
2: Yeah, but your only counsel is just not the not just people around you. You've got this. You've got the Spirit of God residing where you're slowing down. You've got the Word of God that you're reading. Yeah, I know you've read it before, but it might have something to say to you again. You've got those opportunities where you're opening yourself up to to things. If you if your only source of truth is CNN or Fox News, you're 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 destined to become a hard-hearted, very opinionated person that could possibly be wrong in some very important areas. Yeah. So that that's...
0: That's what that means. Okay, so let, let's. I
2: want. Yeah, it's basically the sin of unbelief, and yeah. if you if you believe, you it's impossible for you to commit it. And even if you right now don't believe,
0: as soon as you repent, you're able to
2: come to it because that's exactly where Paul was. We, yeah, we're told you
0: found him. a you found an interesting verse in First Timothy where Paul actually admits that he was the one who blasphemed and was in unbelief.
2: Yeah. So do you have that verse yeah, up? He's Yeah, uh, it, it says in 1 Timothy 1, I think. 1, let me find it. 13. Uh, That's what you told me. That's what yeah, I wrote down. <laughs> yep, yep, One thirteen. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That's the sin, unbelief. The, and Paul and was And it only that- makes sense if, if it takes faith To to be forgiven, and if you don't believe, well, then you're not forgiven. Right, right. That that's an equation. Repentance is the repentance is the
0: door to God, and it's interesting because Paul is a good example of this. He was literally calling what was good, the Spirit of God, the activity in the early church. Evil and was killing it and endorsing and endorsing, separating
2: families, putting people in jail, killing w- people, watching people be, be
0: killed. Yeah, so he was calling evil good and good evil. So if there's anyone who really exemplified this, it's actually Paul. Paul serves as an example for us, so that's pretty cool. But God does intervene. I mean, he
2: literally, well, here's the deal none of us come to faith unless God, of intervened.
0: course, right? Like, so God intervenes. We love
2: because He first loves yeah. us, His Spirit moves us towards the possibilities of belief. We think we came there on our own, but only by the grace of God yeah. and by the movement of the spirit of God. We
0: all have our own Damascus moments where yeah. God knocks us off yeah. our, our horse. I almost said knocks us off our horse. Yeah, house. yeah, yeah. I almost <laughs> did. Uh, but, but imagine if Paul had said, imagine if Paul had said to Jesus when he says, Paul, Paul, why do you, sir- Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Imagine if he had said, screw you, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I don't care who this is.
2: You're against you're you're anti God. You're, you're not He's, moving. He would literally the be anti Christ. Yep. He would be, and Paul would be lost. He would remain in unbelief, right? And because of that, his sin would not be forgiven, right? So that's what that's what that yeah. is. So it's a beautiful. That's where we all are. Yeah. Um. Before faith, and by God's grace.
0: So if 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 and and there's other places in the scriptures where it says if we are, uh, Paul even says if if we actually confess our sin, uh. John says that too, yeah, that if if John. we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive. Yeah. So it's the confession is, there's nothing it doesn't cover.
2: Our part confession, God's part forgiveness.
0: So, and yeah. there's nothing that it can't. So that's good news. Um, okay. So let's talk about one more thing. Um, you had this kind of, the way you talked about it was internal versus external. And it was a way of kind of describing how the Pharisees saw things and how maybe Jesus was changing the whole paradigm of spirituality mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to talk about that because I think it's it, I think it's interesting and I think it's it's such obviously the Pharisees are thinking about God very wrongly yeah. and they're thinking about him so wrong and so I, I want to avoid that wrong thinking right so if I can try to dissect through the scriptures like what might be going on here? Well,
2: external and internal, there's actually a lot of help in the scriptures and a lot of help in our own lives. We are, we can be fairly accurate and effective at diagnosing our extent, our external behavior. Okay. In other words, if I see you doing something mean spirited and you, you hit someone, I mean, it's obviously that there was, I, I witnessed an action of anger, um, And what this passage is saying is, is that every, in fact, it says every sin and blasphemy will will be forgiven mankind. There's nothing you can do externally that would ever go beyond the reach of God. Uh, Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, internally, I can't know the condition of your motives and uh, the condition of your heart in terms of faith you know, I've had a long experience in friendship with you, Dad, so it's, I'm able to know I believe you to be a man of faith. I have giant confidence in that. Um, but if I were to just meet someone on the street, I could, I could see, oh, they're really nice on the exter- externally, but they may be full of hypocrisy. They may be full of greed or envy or hate. And, and they may be as evil as can be on the inside. So I think a way of thinking about it for me is anything that you do externally can always be forgiven. The blood of Christ reaches it. But what you do internally in terms of unbelief, God won't violate your choice to reject him. Yeah. And so he will leave you in, 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 in Romans 1, it says three times, he turned them over, he he leaves you in the state your state of rejection your state of of choosing to reject the offer of Christ he honors that choice that's a real choice like it's not it's not a real that's why i believe in, in the the freedom of the will you know we have a free will is that you can actually choose and and then if you chose, I don't want anything to do with God, and then God said, well, tough, you're going to spend eternity with me anyway. That's not a choice. Nobody had a choice yeah, in there. Yeah, He actually honors the choice. Yeah. It breaks his heart every time, but that's the internal versus the external.
0: There was another way of describing this, and I wanted to throw this out. I, I thought that, that that's that's helpful. I think the idea of external is actions, and internal is some sort of heart condition. Yeah, and motives, that the yeah. and the Pharisee or, or motives, right. What, what's going on there. Um, there was a guy 40 years ago who he was a, is interesting guy. His name is uh, Dr. Paul Hybert. He wrote an article called conversion culture and cognitive categories. It was in a, <laughs> I, I know it's, it seems like, a, a, and what he does is he was a formally, a formally trained mathematician who went into the mission field. God called him. He went to the mission field and spent years in developing cultures. And what he saw was all sorts of chaos. So imagine you go to um, a tribe in Africa, and you start talking about God's plan for marriage, and it's a polygamous society. Well, that's not just going to change overnight. Because if if it, if if it changes overnight, then all of a sudden there's all these wives who no longer have financial support or paternal support. So it's like a long slow. He he saw cultures in various ways, kind of move in different ways. And so what he came up with he used mathematical terms and it really set the Christian world kind of, um, it was very provocative and he used the term bounded set versus center set. Now, let me try to explain. I'm not a math guy, but a bounded set is a definition. There's a definition and it fits within the set. So in a mathematical function, if there is a definition, every number that is, you know, YX minus four is in this set Then any number that meets that that definition is inside the set and every number that is outside of it is not inside the set so it's a firm rigid definition and you're either in or you're out it's binary so that's how the pharisees are acting they have a very rigid set mm-hmm. of behavioral things that are are definitions or modifiers to say this person is in this person is out and what's interesting is they're almost all external to your point so for example There's a lot of research done on the turn of the century, right when Jesus was coming onto the scene, and the vast majority of sermons that were preached by the rabbis were around three topics, dietary law, Sabbath, and circumcision, which are how to keep the covenant, right? But if you look at it, diet, Sabbath, and uh, circumcision are all external markers. Sure. They're all external markers. It's what you do, right? Yep. And Jesus comes along, and he has a different definition, and this is what the Gospels show, and this is what um, Paul Heibert would say is a centered set. And the idea is that there is a center set, that there is a center point, a, 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 like a, a, a fixed point, and then every other unit in the set, it, its determination is not where it is locationally, but whether or not it's moving toward that center set. So you could be very positionally, very, very close to the center set, but your trajectory could be moving you away. Conversely, you could be very far away positionally, but then if your trajectory is toward the center set. So that makes more sense because he's saying this is, there are some people who look very much like they're very close to to the center set, but their position, the way they're moving Mm -hmm. is taking them very far away. And there's some people that are very, very far away, like women caught in adultery or prostitutes or Roman ta- or tax collectors, right? And all of a sudden they look, even though they're very far, their positional heart, where they're moving, their, inter- their directional is toward toward Jesus, who is the center point. So in this, it's not about a definition. It's about a center point, a person, which reminds me of right. like what you guys talked about last week that in... Uh, when Matthew 12, when Jesus kind of proclaims, he says, uh, he quotes Isaiah, this is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice in his name. The nations will put their hope. Yeah. What's the center of all this? It's Jesus who's yeah. the center point. Yeah. Which is, Ben, this is a very long winded way of saying that Jesus is the center of Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's what makes this, this
2: chapter a little bit un, uh, uncomfortable is that you know he's going to say you're either with me or against me you know and i i in fact there is no other name in heaven or on earth to which we can call on and be saved that's it it it's, and even himself he said you know i i'm the way and the truth and the life no one no one comes to the father except through me if you want to call him a sinner set that's true but but you're you're either in or you're out you're either moving towards him or you're moving away exactly, from him. Exactly, exactly. now, if you're moving away from him, you can repent in turn. Correct.
0: That's what this is. That's but what he's trying to get people to do. Yeah. you keep moving yeah.
2: away from him, that's the sin of unbelief, which yeah. cannot be
0: forgiven. You're God in trouble. God will
2: honor that choice yeah. of the direction that you're going.
0: You're 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 in trouble. Yeah. Um. Actually, there's a, I don't know if you know this, and I don't encourage you to look it up. I I, I hesitate to even mention it, but there's actually a YouTube challenge where people say, hey, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and people like, Proclaim their non-allegiance to to Jesus, and people think it's like interesting, and it's like super tragic. It's like all these people saying, I, "I want nothing to do with Jesus," and it's just a reality that there's a lot of people in the world who that's just where they are. Yeah, I'm, uh,
2: unfortunately, about eighty five or ninety percent of the Bay Area is that way. Yeah, and and you can you can do it with the very words and be showy about it. Or you can be sly about it and act like you're a good person. You can come to church. But in your heart, you have rejected him. And you continue to.
0: And um,
2: that breaks the heart of God.
0: Yeah. That of Jesus God. ends this by saying it's about the fruit. He says, um, a, a tree that's good has good fruit. A tree that's bad will have bad fruit. And a tree is recognized by its fruit. So final pastoral ref- reflections as you thought about that. As you reflected on the idea of a good tree, bad tree, good fruit, bad fruit, um, kind of where did your heart and mind go, um, and what's the exhortation or what's the encouragement yeah. for this? I think the encouragement for me was, I'm glad he didn't say how much fruit.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm glad oh, he didn't man. say. That's good to you say. Know, yeah. Um, yeah, if if you're a good tree, you're going to produce a bushel every day, right? It's it's the it's the wonderful passage. In the scriptures that says if you if you're moving towards, if you're increasing in measure, it doesn't say you have to be increased a lot. Um, you could be increasing a little. If you're just surrendered to the work of God in your life and, and seeing that play itself out as you surrender to Him, you will be more kind. If you really are surrendered, you will be, you'll 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 lie less. You'll speak the truth more more uh, urgently. You'll You'll just be a kinder person. You'll 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 exhibit love and patience and those kinds of things and and um and not as much as you want. You know, it's it's the old Martin Luther King Jr., you know, sermon where he says, I'm not who I want to be, I'm not who I should be, I'm not who I could be, but praise God, I'm not who I was. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some people who think, "Man, Steve, your your language is still a little rough around the edges," or you, you know, you still get mad at people who cut you off in traffic. And I said, "Yeah, but I don't shoot the finger anymore." <laughs> I mean, you know, I, God has really brought has done yeah. some work in me. And yeah. am, am I as kind as I want to be, and as kind as Jesus asked me to be? Not all the time, but I'm kinder. Yeah, I'm kinder. And so, just I, like that, I, just that like that whole person, good and bad fruit. Yeah. I'm just glad it's not. You got to do this much for you. Yeah. But you will be known by your fruit. It should be, if you're sitting there going, I'm, a, I'm committed to my faith, it's the most important thing in my life, but you're not growing any. You've either, you either don't have the systems around you to speak into the strongholds that the sin that's holding you back, that it easily entangles us, or you're not in and you're deceived.
0: Self-deception? Yeah. Yeah. But on the encouraging side the person who's really far away from Christ, as long as their direction, like in the center set, that it might take a while, but they know I'm moving toward Jesus. Yeah, yeah. If you, He's my center. You know, it depends. He's my center. If you're
2: raised in a Christian home and you've given moral standards and you've kind of been given that environment your whole life, well, then Christ's movement, you're pretty centered around Judeo-Christian principles. Well, if you're like me and you were you never even heard of Judeo-Christian principles. Never touched a Bible. Well, where God had to move me was maybe a little bit further away. So it's that's the danger, right? In in using um,
0: external our, markers, our
2: external markers that the Pharisees are trying to use. He, yeah. they get it all. They get it all wrong. Yeah. and because of that, he says you're just a bunch of baby snakes. You, you're 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 yeah. you're missing it.
0: Well they missed Jesus entirely I mean I, yeah. I had this quote I, I love this. most of them, um, them do well, well, sorry yeah, yeah some of them we got to be careful with that them. I I just committed a uh, an overgeneralization some no of the words. Pharisees yeah uh, I love this this is from a, a commentary I read it's from Rodney Reeves. I love it he goes how wrong could the Pharisees be Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit he was baptized he baptized others with the Holy Spirit. His entire life was directed by the Holy Spirit. He gave his disciples the Holy Spirit. He performed miracles by the Holy Spirit. He died when he surrendered his spirit. From start to finish, Jesus was the embodiment of God's Holy Spirit. And I just think that that's just really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Just a reminder that Jesus, Jesus' work, and they they miss it. And so, like, let's not be those kind of people. No. Grace, man. Yeah. It's all grace. It's awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Steve, for uh, stopping by next week. um, uh, We're going to continue on. Jesus... (laughs) He just keeps, he keeps turning the screw and I think he keeps turning it because he knows if they don't get it, if they don't turn, they are in mortal, they are in real trouble. Yeah, in
2: the big structure of Matthew, we're about to see the official rejection by the the Jewish nation, represented by the religious leaders. And then it's going to go more broad. You're going to see more Gentile interactions, and then, of course, the crucifixion, where they, they take this all the way to, to killing kill yeah. him.
0: So yeah. I think the reason he speaks so strongly, and he picks so many fights, and he does seem to be picking fights, is is actually motivated out of love. I believe so, too. Uh, it, and, and I know it's easy to read this stuff and, and kind of see kind of angry Jesus, but it's, it's urgent. Yeah, and he's trying to say, like, if you miss this, guys, if you miss this, it's it's a warning, not a threat. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, and I, that's a good way. To and it I in. think warnings, and you've done this too. You've been in marriage counseling where you've looked at at people and said, if you don't change this, you guys are done. Like, yeah. your whole family's destroyed. But if you change, yeah. the endless work of God and grace will will can heal and cover. But you guys have got to make a decision right now. Yeah, and so. Please change. Yeah, please. My God, please. Please. Right, the desire is to change, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. Yep. Very encouraging, and we'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Well, just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Join us next week when we continue on as Jesus continues on confronting the Pharisees. Uh, Again, a lot of conflict in this chapter. We're going to delve into that. That's next week, so join us for that, and we'll see you then.